0: Hey everyone, this is Paul Asadorian with Security Weekly. I'm super excited to tell you about our latest partnership with Intel. Intel's vPro platform, you might have heard of it before, it's been around for 15 years. IT and security teams have so many challenges, including trying to keep your computers up to date with patches, making sure all the hardware and software is working for your remote employees, and of course, keeping things secure as possible. Intel's vPro platform is designed to do just that, making it easier for you to keep your fleet of computers well-maintained. And as we all know, a well-maintained network is absolutely a more secure network. Join us for an interview with Matt Harrison from Intel on March 16th as we explore the features and solutions provided by Intel vPro. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Intel for more information. Welcome back, everyone, to Paul's Security Weekly, rather. Don't miss any of your favorite Security Weekly content. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe. Subscribe to all of our shows on the network at that link via your favorite podcast catcher. You can join our Discord server, which is an amazing community. Uh, Our webcasts, subscribe to our mailing list, all kinds of stuff. We have streaming platforms. We're on Twitch, YouTube. Make sure you go to securityweekly.com forward slash subscribe. All righty. So we're continuing the series on uh, the container lab that I built. Which kind of I don't know where it, it all stemmed from. I was trying to show exploits and stuff, so I started building containers. Then I started building more containers. Then I started putting uh, all kinds of different tools. And then someone asked, "Hey, can you get Windows in there?" And I was like, "I don't know. Maybe I gotta, I gotta look into that." I'm like. It's kind of weird because i'm on linux so this could get weird and it's going to get weird You're just throwing that out there it is kind of weird um but if you go to uh, uh github.com forward slash security weekly the vault and i put the link in the show notes the volhub lab github repository uh is where i have the there's a stable version out there and then there's my dev uh branch w- which and i'm trying to get mo- a windows domain controller in there uh and then get them to join the domain together so i'm working on that I'm way better at Linux than Windows. Just for one is one thing I learned in this project. Uh, so the other thing is inside of the Vulhub lab, right, I've got the uh, HTTP web server. I've got Trevor C2. I've got Merlin. And I've got a bunch of vulnerable Linux targets as well as a Kali Linux instance. And it's all configurable. Like the Kali one, you can tell it how much you want to install by default or not. And so uh, that's the the kind of starting point. There is an interview coming up. With Dave Kennedy that we pre-recorded already to talk about Trevor C two uh, and C two communications in general, so make sure you check that out. Um, and so you you can download spin this lab up uh, yourself. Uh, it's similar to other labs you might spin up in cloud environments, right? But that some of them like you know incur costs for the students. So I thought it was kind of nice to spin this up on your own. Now, this is assuming you're running Linux as your host operating system. I I do intend if someone wants to take this on, I accept pull requests. You can spin this up in Docker on Windows. I'm assuming that's possible, right? It would just be flip-flopped, right? You'd run your Windows inside of Docker containers and Linux inside of Docker containers with Windows as your host operating system. That would be cool. Um, And and so I I fully, I want to get to that point as well. Um, I'm going to show you how to do it in Linux using Docker with containers to spin up all the things I just talked about, including Windows, which actually runs inside of uh, a virtualization layer uh, qMU that that runs inside of the docker container that runs on Linux now i didn't I didn't invent this just want to throw that out there I linked to a a, a, a few resources on this one but the one I want to give credit to is the individual whose blog post I linked to on medium that showed me how to do this there's other resources as well and I'll put more resources in the in the github. Uh, repository as well I have them flagged I just got to uh, integrate them so like this isn't my original idea or my original work however I did rewrite uh pretty much a lot of things for off of that medium post because by default that medium post uh did not work for me and according to the comments it didn't work for a lot of other people who read that medium post because some things have changed since that post was written I think about a year or year ago uh or so um So I actually, I was nice. I made a comment on that post. I said, hey, great job. I made some modifications to get it working. Uh, And you can go to my GitHub and and look in the win 10 folder uh, in my GitHub repository. You get a Docker file, uh, a startup script, and a Vagrant file that'll make it work for you. Um, So I shared that with the original author. I haven't checked back to see if he saw that or commented on it. Um, But there was people, lots of questions. Like I got this error. I'm like, I got around that error. And they're like, I got this error. I'm like, I got the error too. I'm like, what's the, a-? and, and then there was no solution. So I had to do a lot of a lot of Googling on the internet and, and experimental trial and error uh, to get this to work. Now, the other option is um, Detection Lab is great. And Detection Lab also can spin all of this up, um, but not inside of Docker. So you can spin all this up using Vagrant and LibVert, uh, which was somewhat new to me, the virtualization layer uh, built on top of Linux uh, that uses QMU. So you can you can spin this up natively uh, on Linux. I, does Windows support Vagrant and all that stuff? I'm not, it does?
1: Yes, there are Windows Vagrant yeah. systems, yeah.
0: So you could spin this up, and that, that's more like running virtual machines rather than containers, right? Um, and, mm-hmm. and so a lot of people, uh, Tyler, I know you, you do this probably on Hyper-V, right? Uh, there are some people that, basically have a way I think you shared this link with me actually that when you're a penetration tester and you want to spin up a windows environment with a domain controller maybe you want to mirror a customer environment you can use similar techniques to what I'm showing you today um, to do that in in a couple of different ways using the technologies I just described right so the the use case what I'm getting at long winded way of saying the use case is I want to spin up a lab I'm able to customize some of the components but I want to be able to just spin it up Right. I don't want to have to go through a lot of work to spin it up. I want to run some commands and spin it up They get that
2: right yep. time. You can, you can do this all with PowerShell mm-hmm. uh, using the ADDS deployment, uh, which will deploy in Azure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or you can have it deploy to Hyper-V via PowerShell. You can do it with uh, VMware ESXi. Uh, I personally use VMware Workstation <laughs> if I'm building custom stuff. Yep. Uh, full labs, I use PowerShell and spin that to Azure uh vagrant obviously detection lab red elk yep. uh, all of those are, are great options but this the docker version is one kind of missing piece to to having used all the technologies and they all have strong suits and and different ways and and use cases the terraform stuff works great with azure and, and aws not so good for local labs now there's a bunch of things uh, for ansible but uh each of these has their strong suits so it's good to have all of them for individual use cases this is very fast very uh low resource and very diverse for, for being able to do quick things.
0: Yeah. And my use case for it was I had this really cool lab that I spent a lot of time on that was based on Docker and primarily Linux containers. And I wanted to throw windows in the mix and not lose what I you know had done and not recreate everything. Because, uh, I think one of the positive things on this is it's really easy to configure Vulnerable containers and containers that run different types of software super easy like Dockerfile. even if you're just like learning how to build a container using a docker file it's pretty straightforward right if you know Linux it, it's not that far away from being able to spin up containers
1: in different configurations. Um, it's totally easy it's really not that hard i mean come on if you can do the docker I can do you it. know linux windows and docker is no big deal nothing happens you don't let the magic smoke out it's not a problem right
0: yeah well uh the kind of downside is the this libvirt um subsystem i would call it is relatively new and it's like a little messy like you're gonna spend some time uh, getting that to work—it's a little, little dicey, and it does heavily rely on some of the stuff on your host uh, operating system. So, uh, I constructed doesn't, a. Go ahead, Lee. I was going to say, doesn't doesn't Windows
3: get kind of upset if you don't have some sort of a head on it?
0: Um. So for the, in when I spin up Windows, um, it is not headless. I can remote desktop into it.
3: Oh, okay. So yeah. we virtualized that. I can't words. I basically. can't
0: show you. I'm having some issue on this system. I spun it up on my other workstation just fine. I spun it up in this system. I got some error about IPv6 or something. So I got to uh, adjust the configuration. But I can. you can get it from the GitHub repository, and I'll show you all the configuration and walk mm-hmm. you through it. Um, it I, 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 based, I can't uh, show it running.
2: It's basically a PowerShell module. Lee. You can actually turn the GUI on and off as well as deploy mm. things like uh, server core that doesn't have a GUI, but again, that's a module with inside PowerShell to enable that, uh, which takes a little bit lower resources and things like uh, domain controllers. You can obviously do that for labs with the, the core environment, which makes it really nice. But everything's managed through server manager anyway now. Uh, so you do have the, the option to RDP still, but the the server manager covers what, what you usually interact with. So
0: In- so it, the blog post gives me gives you the image. If you go to that blog post that I linked to in the show notes, uh, it gives mm-hmm. you kind of the diagram, right? You've got Linux as your host operating system. You've got Docker. In uh, here, you can see this Docker file. I'm building a new Ubuntu 20.04 uh, container. Um, so that runs on top of Docker. Now, inside of this container, you can see the packages I'm installing. Um, one of those is QMU KVM. The other is mm-hmm. libvirt. Uh, which gives you a virtualization layer inside of your Docker container, which I was like, uh, like, don't mm-hmm. use this in production is <laughs> like, is what I'm saying. Great for a lab. I would never deploy this uh, in production. And this libvert stuff from what I've been reading is 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 kind of new. Um, so you get your base packages installed. Then you pull down uh, Vagrant into the container and install it. Then you install the Vagrant libvert plugin. Then... The next line right here that we're looking at is line 22. This is where you add your box from uh, Vagrant. Now, I want to pause on this one. I probably should create my own Vagrant box and control everything that goes inside of it. That is like no. an probably another two-part technical segment <laughs> to show you how to do that. Tyler, have you done that? Have you created your own Vagrant box? Like it's it's involved.
2: There's a lot to that, and I highly recommend it if you're building larger scale or more complicated lab setups, especially when you start to talk about domains. You will probably have to do that anyway. Right. But, yeah, pain in the ass.
0: <laughs> so I'm pulling a, a, a vagrant box uh, from a, a user who has a pretty good repository. I'm trusting him at this time. Again, I'm not using this production. I'm using a lab. You could totally put malware, or if his account gets compromised, you could put malware in there. Um, his, his repository is called Peru and he has a Windows 10 Enterprise uh, X64 evaluation vagrant box, just essentially like a virtual machine that I'm pulling down inside of my container. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm adding that again. I just want to note like this is someone else's, you know, virtual machine file essentially. So take that with a grain of salt. I'm doing this kind of an exercise to show that it does work. Mm-hmm. The next step I would recommend is to again, have your own box or, you could also use some of the detection lab stuff they have some boxes uh, available it's configured differently than what i'm showing you here uh right now um but i i trust um is it chris long that does detection lab they get that right yeah i trust chris more than this other guy who i don't know <laughs> um but you could you could adopt this and and pull in some of the boxes that um uh, Chris is building in, in detection lab. He does a great job. And he now supports uh, Vagrant in, in libvirt as well. He calls it Ooh. very highly experimental. So just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> that means it'll break. Yeah. That he's like, I'm not even answering like if you open up a git issue or send me email, it's like I don't want to hear it. Like this is experimental. Um, and I don't blame him because it is. Um so, so that, that
1: th- means that only fifty companies will put it in production next week.
0: Yeah, probably. I know that happens, right? (laughs) Uh, So I'm doing my Vagrant uh, init, which spins it up. And I'm copying over my Vagrant file and uh, my startup. So I did have to configure my own Vagrant file, which I don't think... This might have been in the original one, but I've added stuff uh, into it and kind of balanced it. So interestingly enough, in the original post... They were like, oh, you need to open up, you know, port 3389 for RDP. But since the box I'm pulling down is built from his Vagrant file, he was already doing that. So I got an error that said that port's already been forwarding. <laughs> so this Vagrant file kind of is a second stage uh, Vagrant file, if you will. Um, so in here, I'm setting the the box to that uh, the box that uh, is available in the Vagrant cloud. Uh, I am setting a specific... IP address for this is the IP address within like QMU, right? So there's a network diagram in the blog post that I linked to. And uh, you're going through multiple network of Docker inside of Docker. Docker, the Docker container has a network interface on the 192.168.121 network and has an inter network interface on in my configuration 10.1.1.16 um, which then is a bridge to my host network, right? To go, if you go look at the diagram in the Medium post, it'll it'll make sense to you. Um, so that so what in the original post, he was not setting an IP address, and that's one of the changes I made. I said, I didn't want a static IP address so I can write firewall rules with that static IP address on the fly. Event, essentially, it lets you do Docker Compose up, and it'll all spin up, and everything has static IPs. Uh, I'm also forwarding Mm -hmm. port 445 so I can attack it, which is awesome. And then I am that little snippet of PowerShell on line six right there will disable the firewall. Now, Mm -hmm. you can get crazy with PowerShell if you want. You can do inline PowerShell as I'm showing you here on line six. You can integrate. If you've written a PowerShell script and saved it to a file, you can have it execute as part of this Vagrant file as well. (coughs) So you can... Whatever you can do in PowerShell, you can do to this system uh, as it's spinning up, which is awesome. I got a bunch of trial and error stuff here that I commented out. All right. So then once... Question? No. Okay. Once the container has spun up, right? So in the Docker file in the container, right? Uh, My entry point is startup.sh. So now we're starting to execute this script inside the container. Uh, you, have uh. to, you have to change permissions on uh, this is actually your your this is mapped into the container. I can show you that as well. So you're uh, know if it's a volume or a file in my Docker compose, uh, it's a device. So you're mapping the dev KVM device into your container. Yeah which gives it the ability to run QMU uh, using that KVM uh, device that it needs. Uh, so you change the permissions on that. Uh, then you're running libvirtd and vertlogd. Pretty simple. Then you're bringing up uh, the Vagrant uh, box that you uh, configured uh, in your Vagrant file and also in your Docker file, right? So this actually starts up Windows 10. Then... had to go back and remember all my ip tables chains and uh tags and all kinds of routing and all that stuff right and so uh in i believe i don't know if it was the version i think it was the version of ubuntu that so i I switched from his original post had ubuntu 1804 that wasn't working so i built this on ubuntu 20.04 and i believe it was that changed that changed all the firewall rules so all of the chains were named differently. So his original IP tables rules did not work at all. It was like IP tables chain not found. I'm like, oh, so I had to rewrite all of the IP tables rules to be compatible with how libvert D is implemented in Ubuntu 20.04. It that it was not fun. Um but I did figure it out. So basically you are port forwarding from the Docker network interface into the virtual network interface that's running in QMU inside of the container. That's all those rules do. The last four disable some of the the other rules that would make this network traffic uh, be blocked. So I'm disabling that. But all the rules above that, lines 12 through 20, are essentially port forwarding and natting uh, between the Docker virtual network and the QMU virtual network. Make sense? Mm-hmm. That was a pain in the ass. <laughs> I, oh, bad! I had, yeah. Um, and how long
1: did this take you to go through?
0: we were counting uh, days. <laughs>
1: and how much sanity? So,
0: yes, it's a lot of a lot of trial and error.
3: Yes. So, with all that, was it worth not just sucking it up and go to Ubuntu
0: 18? It didn't work for me to Ubuntu 18. Oh, yeah. Screw that. So we we had other errors, and when you read his original post and you read the comments to that Lee, it was a bunch of other uh-huh. people going, "I tried this and it didn't work, and I got this error." I'm like, "Yeah, I got that error too," and I'm like, oh, "Yeah, okay, I don't exactly. know how to fix that." So I'm like, "Well, yeah, so. if I'm gonna make it work, I might as well make it work in Ubuntu 20.04, which is what I'm most familiar with, and it's the more recent version." Um, yeah. So i got different errors right but i'm like these are my errors now and i'll fix them right so (laughs) rather than trying to troubleshoot someone else's errors i'll troubleshoot my errors Um, so
3: you're either going to fix them or drink heavily or both right
0: right It was got it definitely some drinking involved to get to this point then i had to convert his so he was not running it in docker compose uh he was just running a docker run command so i had to translate his docker run command so all the switches uh that he added to his docker run command i had to translate into docker compose which sounds like it's but, like really hard actually but you were
3: more in your element there where i think you've done a lot with docker and we yeah. have that yeah experience. that was
0: that was when i was like oh i'm gonna have to translate this all the compose i'm like oh that wasn't that wasn't that bad like so basically um uh all the stuff i talked about before now he is running this as a privileged container this is one thing mm-hmm. I haven't gone back and tested, and I'm not sure if that's to give the container access to the devices, uh, uh, dev KVM and dev net tun. Uh, I'm not sure if the privileged container has to be running at a you know basically without restriction uh, on Linux to pull this off or not. I haven't tried changing that. What I also found was interesting is. In addition to setting privilege to true, he's adding some Linux capabilities for NetAdmin and SysAdmin. And I don't remember by default, I think this might even vary across Docker versions. If you set a container to privileged, I think that gives it all the capabilities. Or it might just be a larger subset of those capabilities that does not include net admin or SysAdmin. But again, I haven't gone through the testing to go, what if I make it not privileged and specifically allow the capabilities that it needs, um, or can I just set privilege to true and not add those capabilities? In any case, security-wise, you should never do this in any of your containers. No. (laughs) Probably bad. Uh,
3: I I can't help but wonder how much of that is related to trying to run, basically, a virtual machine infrastructure
0: on top of that container. Inside the container. But it's
3: going to do all kinds of stuff to memory and other drivers that you need admin for.
0: That's what I'm thinking, Lee, right? So, yeah, but again, the reason you never do this in production is because it will enable people to do Docker machine escapes. Um, Yep. Yeah, which is is bad. Which would be interesting if you got in Windows, could you do a virtual machine escape that got you into Docker and then do a Docker escape into the host? (laughs) It's very much Inception. (coughs) Uh, And then you have to map a volume too. I didn't look into what... Uh, i don't remember what the c group is but you're going to map a a volume uh as part of it again like you're running virtualization inside of a container on top of linux so there's stuff it needs access to um as well as the devices so if you do this um oh here's a link to the post right here too so if you do this it it doesn't work on this machine unfortunately so i can't show it to you running because i don't know what something happened i need to fix but i was like i pulled down the uh master branch from the repo and i ran it on my other machine and it worked i was like okay good um so there's that um let's see let's go here yeah so abed some hurry uh july 20th 2020 uh wrote this awesome post uh this is everything i just talked about right Mm -hmm. um I wanted to show you the network. Uh, So, yeah, this is the inception diagram that I was telling you about, right? KVM, QMU, Hypervisor, Windows 10 running on top of that, Linux container, Docker, Daemon, Ubuntu, Linux, base OS, which I didn't think was possible. But obviously it is. Um, And I just wanted to show you the, where is his networking diagram? He had a network diagram on here somewhere. I think I might have scrolled past it already. maybe not maybe it's down here does yeah right here yeah so you get your main os which has uh a virtual network interface on uh docker zero now his ip addresses are dot one. that's the default i've changed that in docker to create my own network so i can statically assign ip addresses um uh to uh to the network adapters right? So you get your Docker zero, that container eth zero interface on the container maps to that Docker bridge network with my host. Then there's an, another virtual network. Verbi one is my containers interface on the QMU virtual network. And I'm statically mapping. He was not stat, I'm statically mapping one and in there. So in my case, my windows host uh, your Windows host that you would access in this diagram would be 172.17.0.2. That would take port 3389 with the IP tables rules and send that over to um, your Vagrant instance, which is running Windows 10. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Without this post, it would have taken me a whole heck of a lot longer. So even though like stuff didn't work in this post, I give the author full credit because I wouldn't have got any of this to work if it had it not been for this post.
1: So thank you. So you can this pull is that down clever. and run it, right? It's pretty, it's
0: pretty awesome. Yeah.
1: This is pretty what clever. You think I give you is. a lot of credit, man, for assembling all these pieces. Well done. Yeah. Thank you. So uh, in my dev branch,
0: I have. Oh, uh, so the Peru guy uh, that publishes the vagrant boxes also has a Windows 2016 domain controller box, and I've got that pulled in. So I can actually get Windows 10 and Windows 2016 domain controller and all of my Linux Docker containers with C2, Linux targets, Kali, all that stuff, Mm -hmm. all running on the same network. What I am, uh, when I get some time to come back to this, working on now, because I suck at Windows and PowerShell, I'm just learning PowerShell, um what i need to do now is get the windows 10 box to join well i have to create right you got to create the domain first on the domain controller and then join the windows 10 box to that domain
2: that can all be done with code though too with what that can all be done with code you can set your dhcp servers your dns scope zones Mm -hmm. uh promote set your fysmal roles up and add add the domain and then add the box to the domain so you first add the roles and add the domain and then set up the, the box and, and
0: dns and that's all done with powershell yeah yeah since i don't know powershell that well that's i'm, I'm challenged i'm gonna you have to spend some more time with me tyler <laughs> so and the other we'll, example uh, and in the other example tyler sent me a lot of examples detection lab has an example it's like way more stuff than i needed <laughs> like way more stuff than I need. i'm like. I just need to create a domain and join one computer to it. So I need like a subset of that code and not being great with PowerShell yet, uh, you know, it, challenging. But all cool stuff to learn. Um, PowerShell is pretty amazing. I'm actually kind of digging it now. Now I have a reason to really learn it because I want to get this working. Because so. I, I think now, uh, so, you know, once that's working, now I've got this really kind of cool lab that I can show stuff, right? And Mm webcasts and the shows, right? I've got a working Windows environment, got some Linux targets, I've got C2 infrastructure, all kind of sitting on this flat network, which is kind of convenient, right? Where you can show different kinds of attacks and and all kinds of stuff.
3: Uh, So how is it keeping track of what talks to what using what address ranges?
0: So all of the, it's a good question, Lee. Excuse me, in my Docker file, um, in the Docker Compose script, there is a network that I create Uh called volhubnet. Each um, container, I statically assign an IP address uh, on that network. So here's where I define the network. It's a bridged network with my host adapter uh, on my Linux box, um, and I define the subnet and the gateway. So my host adapter is always 10.1.1.1. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the subnet. And then as long as I put in this, this little block right here, 182 through 184 uh, lines of code, I can statically assign IP addresses to all of the containers. And then uh, I modify my uh, host file on my Linux host on the host system uh, to map these all out by name. And I call these the, the, this is a little out of date. Um, I have to update this because there's a couple more uh, that's not in this list. So in my Etsy host file, I map all of these out and I so I can reference them by name. So within the containers, I set a container name, I set a host name. So this is always win 10. And then if I modify my host file, uh, I can reference it as win 10. So I don't get confused of like, wait, what IP address is the Windows box again like you can reference everything in the lab by name which is convenient because i forget oh. i'm like wait which one was my vulnerable log for j oh right like which one is my traverse c2 like it's all named ip addressed all the same every time which is convenient
3: and what do you think important. the overhead what do you think the overhead for the basically extra layer of, of virtualization in there is costing you i think it's much
0: it's doesn't a good question. Lee. No, it, it's I, I haven't like done any performance or load testing, but uh-huh. also like this isn't the fastest laptop in the world. Um, it, it doesn't seem to struggle if I spin this whole thing up on it. My other computer is, is a bad test. It's like a twenty-four core AMD Threadripper. Okay. So of course, with like. 256 gigs of RAM. Yeah. So that one has no problem spinning up the lab. But I, I will you know. tell
1: you that in production, I know people that run multiple levels of VMware.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Mm-hmm. The, the, you know, I mean, the, the fact that there's actually a, a, an FAQ that says, okay, you can run VMware inside VMware, but you have to have it a dot release behind. You know, uh, like, right. like and they're running two or three levels because they're running a hypervisor inside of a hypervisor. Like
0: Yeah, like I've seen very, people run uh, Kubernetes inside of a Docker container, right?
2: Yeah. It works. Yeah, you can run ESXi on VMware workstation or Fusion, and that way you can emulate a, a VMware clustered environment. So, and yeah. But as far as emul- like what
0: the overhead is, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't run this on like a slower system necessarily, but again, I haven't noticed like my machine completely shit in the bed because I spun this up. And you could do some performance tuning. Uh, actually, in Vagrant in your vagrant file there's a ton more options there if you go to the vagrant documentation um, they pretty Mm -hmm. well document all of the different options and so you can todd what can you specify in there ram cpu there's a bunch of stuff in your vagrant file right that you can size for this
2: yeah you can customize that vagrant file very very heavily in fact you do that when you do a lot of the domain stuff because you're going to have you know, something that's your primary FISMAL domain controller that has DNS, DHCP, maybe you have some, some FIPS or Exchange or SQL. All those things need to be sized, and you can do that with inside the config files.
0: Mm. It's really awesome. Uh, you know, I, I feel like even if you bought, like, a pretty beefy machine, it's still, I think, cheaper than paying, you know, a monthly cost uh, or, you know, for your cloud i mean you'd only spin it up in your cloud when you're using it right but if you're paying on storage and compute in whatever cloud that you're in you know you're, you're giving someone some money every time you want to spin up your lab and i'm like that'd be kind of nice to just run this locally too also i want to point out these are highly vulnerable <laughs> containers and instances like really like easy remote exploitation uh on these as well as like c2 and kali built in this is not something you just want to spin up willy-nilly uh inside the cloud i mean obviously you can put restrictions on that when you spin it up in the cloud but if you like accidentally expose this to the internet it could could be a bad day of course you could just spin it down uh and 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 fix everything because it is just a lab but you know you do run that risk um i think it's awesome i think um there's multiple labs out there right that use similar mm-hmm. technologies so students can essentially spin all of this up uh in an environment but i think it's also nice for you to be able to control and configure your uh environment as well i mean you could if it was your cloud you could do that as well but in this example right i can change any of these docker containers i can add new ones i can remove them so like when you know log for j isn't the shiny new hotness something else is I can swap that in if I need mm-hmm. what was the vulnerability de jour uh, Cassandra and Magento so I mean I could continue yeah. to spin those up in there right and you could spin up a separate container for that or uh, build it into some other container uh, I know Samba had a vulnerability uh, recently we talked about as well so that you can also good. go ahead Ty
2: you can also modify yeah. these and and integrate these into your cloud lab or cloud solution using you know ansible or terraform yeah. uh, these work these work well for for spinning stuff up within side of additional cloud environments and, and are very adaptable to the the other languages so
0: yeah it'd be awesome uh, i'm most familiar with aws um I'm, I'm assuming i've not tried it but i'm assuming you could spin up a windows environment in aws and a container environment in ECS, link them all together to be on the same network, from what I understand from AW. I've not tried that, but I'm sure
2: that's possible, right? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward, and especially if you're using Vagrant Files or Ansible.
0: Yeah, and then you use Terraform as the orchestrator to spin it all up in the cloud.
2: Yeah, whatever your flavor is this week
0: yeah there's multiple ways to do that even in aws right to spin all spin all this up yeah there's a lot of people doing that too and and i think that's cool and you know maybe you could adapt it to do that i mean we can just keep building on this because it's lots of fun um but you know the use case for me i think it's nice for me to have it local i can modify it spin it up and go hey like here's how you exploit this new exploit that's going to come out next month like here's how you exploit it and get c2 communications going it's fun it's good stuff if I get really ambitious I'll start writing up labs for it so you can pull this down and spin it up and then follow along on a document and be like "All right, here's step by step how you do like this from you know step 1 to step 12 I've done that already for at least one of the segments that I did so keep building on it it's
1: pretty cool man I gotta give you credit that is actually pretty cool you've developed a way to put a whole lab on a work on a uh on a laptop or a decent desktop, uh, without using VirtualBox, which is becoming more and more not usable these days, without you, you know, and and doing everything pretty straightforwardly. Yeah. Um,
0: Thanks, am kind of impressed. I have have VirtualBox uh, running in a couple different instances to spin up labs, and I did find it takes, one, it takes up a lot of resources, and two, like, if it's, you don't create it, like, within VirtualBox for VirtualBox. Yeah stuff goes horribly <sighs> wrong, right? Like it likes to be all native within uh within VirtualBox, but yeah it does it does suck up some uh resources big time.
1: Yeah, it, VirtualBox is getting like I I don't know, my personal opinion, this is my personal opinion, is that VirtualBox is getting behind the times? Yeah. It is and, free. Uh, it is
0: free. I <laughs> mean, for those just starting out, right? You've got to pay for VMware Workstation or ESXi and you would have to, or pay for your cloud computing costs,
1: right? Oh, what is, what is Docker cost? What is... Yeah, all, uh, this is all free. Uh, right. It's Dude, all free. And how You does just the built Windows, everybody a free lab.
0: My question for you folks is how does the Windows licensing work? I can spin this up in eval mode, no harm, no foul.
2: Yeah, Microsoft provides a 180-day trial for development and labs, Mm -hmm. and that's part of their EULA for that particular license and uh, version.
0: So I'm not even violating the EULA because I really am using this for a lab. Yep. That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so I think it's a really cheap way to do it. Yeah, oh. it really is. Honestly, uh, do you have? Are you documenting this? How well is it documented that mm. somebody who's not incredibly sophisticated could put this together?
0: Mm. The documentation is not great. There is some documentation there, but it is it is not it is not great. Because you' am like, I gotta get this working and then show it on the show, and then I, I never go back and flesh out. Paul's
2: looking for an intern to follow him around, dictating yes.
0: whatever he. Yeah, we need gotta get intern Dylan uh, on this project and helping me document it. Yes. That should be the next step. I should have Dylan spin this up and run into all the issues and then help with the documentation.
1: That would actually be pretty good. And yeah. it could, uh, good learning you know, experience. like for example, we had Kevin on the on the webcast today, yeah. right? So uh, Secure Ideas manages the Samurai WTF distribution yeah, and they, they manage several different uh, uh, open source projects. This would be a pretty nice open source project to come out of Security Weekly.
0: Agreed, agreed. Very yeah i hope people use it enjoy it and you know send me pull requests or if you want to write up some documentation like this is open and free right this is this is so people can mm-hmm. learn right awesome with that uh we'll take a short break come back talk about security news for this week stay tuned